back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Maverick podcast on the Athletic Network of Podcasts. This is Tim Cato. Um, I'm joined today by uh, Mo. Mo, how are we doing? Doing well, buddy. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I am in a uh, nondescript hotel room in, in Utah, and I'm upset there's no snow because I haven't seen snow once this winter. And I was like, I could have I could have done one day with a little snow. Not, I mean, not, nothing, it, nothing too crazy, but you still have a few more road trips, dude. Like I do. Y- you got you got plenty of time. Have yeah. Oh, Dallas has already played in New York. Have they played uh, Brooklyn yet? I'll, I'll be going to Chicago for the All Star game. I, I think I. Have oh, that, yeah, you're, yeah. you're definitely going to get snow there. The river is going to be frozen. It's going to be freezing. You're going to complain to us about how cold it is, and I'm going to tell you to shut up because you remember a few weeks back when you complained about not seeing snow. So, like, we could just uh. Yeah, you know, just toughen up there, buddy. You'll see it. We we could we could record that podcast right now. It sounds like we have, you know, all the all the bits and uh and gags ready to go. Well, I mean, you know, all the first off, as most people have probably realized by now, if they're not familiar with me, I'm a bit of a jerk. So making fun of you and and most people's pretty comes naturally to me. So we'll we'll be doing this all season. <laughs> well, uh, there's plenty to make fun of. But there was not plenty to make fun of uh, last night as the Mavericks beat the Blazers 133-125. It ended up being that close. I mean, it wasn't really. Dallas always threatened to turn it into a laugher. But, you know, if, if Dame's going to go for, you know, 40 plus, that's that's hard to happen. And so the big thing that happened, obviously, was the first game without Dwight Powell, who uh, very unfortunately for him and, and for the Mavericks tore his Achilles what did you think of uh, of the first post-PAL era, you know, at least for this season, of course? It's tough. Like, an injury like that, it's now you have to start figuring out rotations all over again. Like, you know, Carlisle had, uh, Coach Carlisle had a rotation kind of set up and, and how he wanted to use guys and how he'd bring, use PAL, how he'd bring in Cleaver, you know, and, and, and how that would affect Porzingis' minutes and, and so on. So just kind of, a constant rotation but you know now it's 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 time to experiment and look into seeing what you do you know last night they started small it was pretty interesting you know uh going with Porzingis being the biggest guy I mean granted listen Porzingis is always going to be the biggest guy that was a dumb thing for me to say but you know but not really having anybody else Dorian Finney-Smith playing the power forward starting Seth Curry you, you know coming instead of coming off the bench Tim Hardaway and then Luka Doncic you know, you went small in that instance, and it was pretty interesting to see how that kind of played out. And then just playing Kleba off the bench and, and and kind of sticking with him for that role, it'll be interesting how that kind of carries out throughout the rest of the the season. Yeah, see, like I think I think Kleber gets back in there. I think he will start at some point. But it just speaks to your point that it's a it's another batch and round of experimentation. Especially if you remember back to the first twenty games of the season where Rick could not decide a starting lineup where it felt like every third game they were changing stuff. Uh, they, they had settled one on, on one that included Powell. And so now, now we're kind of back to, to, you know, not square one, but some level of, of oh, what's going to come next? Uh, so. so let me ask you, did, did you think they started small because it was the Blazers? And they really don't start. I mean, Carmelo Anthony plays power forward for them. It's not like a traditional big or anything like that. Do you think it's something like if they play the Lakers, they're gonna they're gonna start Kleba and and, and go from there, or is, is he gonna just try to do it by matchups? Or you think he's just trying to find at some point a certain mix that will work? I feel like it would be fun to do it by matchups, 
but but I think every coach kind of wants to get to a consistent five just so that the players can have some consistency, some some expectations for their role, their minutes when they sub in, when they sub out. You know, it's always going to change it throughout the course of a season. There's always going to be nagging injuries, uh, you know, or or big injuries as 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 there was to Pal. So I think like you touched on it sort of like it's not coaches that want to make sure they have a set rotation as much as it is players. Yeah. Because, yeah. You know, because like, you know, I think coaches would love to be able to do this by matchups, you know, and change things up and and, and go from there and, and and mix and match. And let's play Kleba uh, one night and, and the next night, let's start Seth. And, and you know, and just trying to start throwing that stuff around. It's just hard for players to find that flow. This is also why you'll see stuff where people criticize. I think it was Luke Walton a lot last year, like when he'd have an injury. He just wouldn't bring somebody off the bench. Like he liked that guy in that bench role and wanted that guy to stay comfortable in that role. So he would start somebody else. So I think it's a kind of just keeping these guys in a rhythm and a flow. And and right now, obviously, this is adversity and this is what happens throughout the season. And now they got to figure out not just the the rotation, but how do they make up for Powell? Because he was such an important guy for this team. Yeah, just just to quickly agree with your point it is a very classic coach move to when a starter gets injured you you throw the 11th man in there not not the sixth man because you know you that that keeps your your six through tens your you know your usual rotation guys uh that's that's always one of my favorite things when when this guy who barely plays like all of a sudden gets the, the starting lineup call pal's important pal pal is their best run runner he is the guy who did it most often him and maxi kleba are actually pretty similar statistically in terms of possessions, they finish off as Roman, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that Powell has more gravity uh, in that in that capacity. You know, he was the one who you know who who would dive in there more often and and make the defenses collapse because they are scared of him. And you know, just his his high, you know, his extremely athletic finishing that you know is is able to uh, you know he's a very um, he's a contortionist in some ways. Uh, his, he has very contortionist athleticism in, in the way that he can. Uh, slither around people and, and and finish and things like that. So you know that was his biggest attribute. Uh, starting small with with KP at center uh, obviously meant a more proper five out unit. KP said he he liked doing it. You know he liked some aspect of it. He liked that he was able to change things up. Uh, he he said uh, the most interesting thing I think he said after the game was was he liked that he was once again the focal point of the offense since you know on a, on a lot of a possessions with Luca it starts with the five man coming and screening for him. So all of a sudden, instead of KP being a, you know, a, a, you know, an important part of the offense, an involved part of the offense, but still someone who is uh, beginning each possession off ball, he is now someone who's directly involved in, in you know, the primary action of, of, of a lot of the plays that they run initially. And so he said he liked that. And uh, I, I think it showed he, he had a he had a really good game. He uh, he also had, according to one tweet I saw on Twitter, he had the. Actually, from uh, the Athletics, uh, Jake Camp, one of our uh, one of our freelance contributors at at the Athletic Dallas, uh, he said that per second spectrum, he had the best shot qualities per that uh, second spectrum quantified shot quality. That fancy metric that kind of measures how good the shots you're getting compared to an average player. That was uh, that was Porzingis's best game of 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 shoot shots that he got and took. Well, that I mean, that also made sense a lot in the. I mean, just starting out with your point of him feeling more like part of the offense, just kind of by setting screens and and doing that. Because for the most part, when Powell and him were playing, you know, he was a floor spacer. You know, go stand here, 
and 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 space the floor because you're such a good shooter. And and with Powell, you know, being able to roll to the rim with his athleticism and and you know body control, I think that really kind of made it difficult. Whereas here now he's getting more flow, more more rhythm, and 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 in the action a lot more. You know, we talk about it a lot on Brody and the beard, but it's just so hard sometimes when you can go three, four possessions and all you've done is just space the floor and not touch the ball. And for him being more involved, it allowed him to find more spots, allowed him to get cleaner looks. And then listen, you set a screen for Luca. Luca's so damn good. Like defenses are going to collapse on him. It's going to open up doors for you, you know, whether you're rolling or popping. And I think that kind of, I'm not surprised that his shot quality was a lot better than it's been all year. I mean, I think within the first three possessions of that game, I, I tweeted this. I mean, two of them, one of them was a wide open Luca layup. One of them was a wide open driving Porzingis dunk. We haven't seen a lot of driving Porzingis dunks this season. And when you start him at center, that will happen more often. That That is a byproduct of playing him, you know, playing that big, playing him there, you know, playing with that many, shoot, that many shooters and, and involving him in those ways. So, you know, uh, there's pros and cons. Uh, I, I think that, the offense will suffer some without Powell. Like, like this, this was a, this was a, you know, this was showcased how good it can be with Porzingis at the five. And obviously this will still be, you know, probably the best offense of the league, but I do think they'll drop a couple points. Is, is that, do you think that's fair? You know, just less versatility without Powell as, as that, you know, rim runner against some teams, the matchup is going to be a little tougher, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, listen, there wasn't a lot of defense being played last night. <laughs> like it was a it was a, a pretty bad defensive game and it and and the Blazers aren't a very good defensive team at the current moment so it's not a surprise you know that this this looked a little bit better but this is just one game in that you know it takes a while to figure out the adjustments there's going to be tougher teams and tougher defensive opponents that are going to make it more challenging so i would expect it to drop a little bit and maybe it drops and then picks back up or, or picks back up a little bit or whatnot because it's just an adjustment period. You know, like really it's the next 10 games. Like let's see where they're at offensively in the next 10 games. And that could be difficult to judge too because like we talked about, the rotation could get yanked around a little bit more. Uh, you know, they might bring in somebody. They might make a small trade to to help fill that spot or or sign somebody to a 10-day and, 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 and build that up. It's It's – it's going to get kind of interesting to see how this all plays out. But the most important thing is like Porzingis has to step up in this role. Like this is where he's got to really level up here and, and, and build off of this, not just tonight. And it's not, it's, it's, it's not a good thing that, that Powell got hurt, but this is his opportunity now of like, yo, I have a bigger role in this offense. Now I have to deliver. And, and and maybe that challenge kind of helps push him to that next level. Yeah, it's it's something I wrote about uh, this week. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Jake Kemp. Uh, we we do a conversation series on on the athletic uh, Cato and Kemp, and uh, we 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 talk long about Pal. And I think our sticking point that that we kind of the conclusion we kind of came came to is that this is a big test for Przingis and and a big chance for him. You know, like we were saying earlier, he's more involved in the offense. Maybe he's going to feel a tiny bit more comfortable. I, I do think what Dallas wanted him to do during the first half of the season was it was noble and and probably the right idea to go into the season. You know, they 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 tried to they tried to use him as a as a seventh through shooting guard. They tried to use him off the ball. They they did absolutely use him as a as a uh, floor spacer. 
And and that really allowed the offense to flourish because, you know, even if Porzingis is shooting 33, 32%, you know, you're, you're not going to leave him. It's it's Kristaps Porzingis. He has that gravity. He has that defenders have the mentality, you know, they have it in their heads that he's a player you can't leave open. Uh, if only because his jump shot looks so pretty and he's 7-30. You know, I, I literally think that, uh, I, I, I think that that has an effect. So it, it is a big test and, and it's, it's something I wrote about. It is, a, you know, I think that, that that is something we're thinking here in Dallas. Um, they will replace Pal in some, in some manner. They will need some more uh, depth. That, that I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I don't know whether it's going to be just a free agent that they sign. They, they clear a roster spot and, and sign, you know, whoever's available. Joakim's ne- Noah's name got thrown around. Are, are you in the same boat as me where it, it doesn't really make sense this season for a team that has still not been to the playoffs with this core to really be trading any major assets, you know, unless what you're getting back is the exact piece that you need, the exact player that fits fits in on, on a long-term basis? Yeah, I mean, it really all depends what you're giving up and what you're getting. If you're making a move, let's just like say every every trade ever depends on that. I think, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Captain Obvious. We can do the whole the whole little hat thing, like the commercial. Uh, let's not. Oh, that was my opportunity there, Tim. Um, I can't stand that commercial. Anyway. <laughs> oh, good. I'm just gonna send you that constantly. Uh, the uh, what I'm saying though, in that sense, though, is like let's look at it this way. They've been linked to Robert Covington, whether that happens or not. You know, what are you getting for him? What what has to go out? I mean, you're you're probably moving Courtney Lee, who's not in the rotation at all. You know, you're, you're probably losing a piece that is in the rotation, whether it's a, a guard or or a, another wing player. You got to have a you got to find a way to make a replacement. Like that's the thing about trades is like whenever you trade a piece, you got to make sure you can whatever you're getting back may not plug the hole, but you have a plan to plug the hole if it's somebody that plays. So. Let's just say, and this is me just throwing it out there. I I don't have any influence or, or or conversations with a with a lot of front offices, so it's not like I'm plugged in. But let's just say it's like uh, Seth Curry. You know, you have to find a way to replace him, and what it, it, that may not be coming back in the deal, but it might be somebody you're looking at signing or another smaller deal you're making to bring in a guy. So I think that's kind of the way you look at it. And the most important thing with this team. Tim is I don't think you need to rush it. You know, you said it. They've never been in the playoffs. I didn't have them in the playoffs this year. I had them fighting for an eight seed. I mean, they're they're pretty firmly planted in the playoffs and potentially could have a a uh, first round uh, uh, home court advantage. But that's just they just jumped ahead. I don't think you have to feel like okay, now we need to make a massive trade to move forward. Like no, just use it as a learning experience and let's build on it because let's just be honest unless you're getting a massive piece back and i mean like a a a superstar that's going to make it so that you have a trio you're probably not beating the lakers or clippers in a in a seven game series in the western conference finals to go to the finals and they they don't have anything to trade for a superstar like 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 so so the answer is no like like don't make that trade that trade isn't out there you don't have the pieces to make for it anyway I, I don't think they have the pieces to trade for Covington, like 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 you were bringing up. Like I think their best offer is Lee for salary, Jalen Brunson, and the Warriors' second round pick, which they have for some reason that I don't remember. But they have it. I know they have it. And, Probably you know, the Bogut a, trade. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. That's that's what it was a few years ago. And yeah, that's that's their best offer and. That's probably not enough since there's like what twenty teams interested in Covington or something like that. 
And Covington, in theory, is a player who I think would fit. You know, he does. He he is young. He he is the type of player that that you get as many as you can of. You know, a, a two way tall wing. You know, he he. I, I don't know if Finney Smith has arguably better had a better season than him, but but I think Covington is is definitely a a better defender and a better shooter, even if by a little bit in in both areas. And and so yeah, absolutely, you you could trade for someone like that. And, and I guess he's young enough that he could fit for the next few seasons, but. At the same time, you you have to you have to come to the grips that you would be giving up, you know, Brunson, who is maybe a important depth piece for you in in the next few seasons and, and something like that. So, you know, for for uh, the only reason why Covington would would make sense in that scenario is if you saw him as a as a viable you know part of this team for three years. So, uh, it you no know, no rentals is what I'm saying. Don't don't a a, a three month rental is is. But the just would be dumb. It, it would be very dumb if you're giving up uh, an actual asset, right? And I think you know the to the Covington point too. The other thing too is he's on a tradable contract, and he's a dude that's going to be in demand for the next four years of his of his and basically his entire length of this contract. He's always going to be mentioned in trade talks. Sucks for him a little bit, but that's just the reality of it because it's a good contract and and he has a skill set that everybody wants right now and. You know, having him and having uh, Feeney Smith is is a positive for them, you know, if if they were to able to pull that off. But let's go back to something more importantly, because you do need to shore up the big man spot. I mean, you can't play Boban every game. I did like in the Clipper game when they did go Boban and Porzingis and went little Twin Towers a bit. I thought that kind of actually messed with the Clippers a bit. But you can't play him a bunch. You know, how do you feel about potentially bringing in like Joe Kim Noah you know, to 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 kind of help shore up the depth because right now, like last night, all they played for bigs was Porzingis and Cleaver. I think it makes sense. I think that you just go get a minutes eater. You just go get someone who is, you know, a a replacement player. You know, the the definition of the of the stat stats term replacement player. I, I think that's fine. I think that this team it would be a very slow grind to the finish. Uh just a, like a like a death march to the finish, it would feel like. If they don't replace them, you know, they're just not big enough. But you get someone who can fill 20 minutes a night if needed. I, I think they're they're fine. Like 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 we said, you know, they're pretty much locked into the playoffs. There's there's not really, you know, that eighth seed competition is is all within the eighth seed people. Like Dallas isn't going to drop that far. Uh they've still got a good team. They've still got a great offense. You know, I, I think if they start uh Kleba, you know, I think they actually have a chance at a at a decent uh starting five defensive unit, you know, between right. Porzingis and and uh Finney Smith. Uh, I think I think I I'm actually pretty fascinated if they do end up with Kleba as as the as the consistent fifth starter, you know, to or you know to put, to put where Powell was starting. Uh, I'm I'm pretty interested. That's that's a tall starting five, and that's you know a, a you know two shot blockers. Uh, even if Kleber's a little bit non traditional in the way he gets shots, you know that's that's two two players very capable of protecting the rim and and Finney Smith to to go on your your toughest wing matchup and. You know you're going to get carved up by by point guards still because uh, even you know Finney Smith uh, does does lose a little size there and and Tim Hardaway Jr. is is you know doing his best and his best is a very very fine average performance on a, on a, on a, on most cases but you know I I think I think that that does have potential and, and that is interesting and and you know this team is is definitely going to keep winning games and probably about at the pace they are you know they they just need another big man to to make sure that you know against the the biggest toughest matchups that. You know, or if Porzingis has to miss more games or something like that, you know that 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 is when you're going to need at least one other person because you can't 
you know, if, if Porzingis has to miss, you know, if he if his knee knee soreness comes back even for a game, like you can't you can't go Kleba and Boban and and think that's going to be enough to to get enough rebounds and and protect you know protect the rim enough and, and do things like that. So you know, whoever's out there, whoever they deem to be the best possible scenario, you know, best best player available, uh, whether it's a G League guy, you know, we saw Chris Bouchard and in, in, in the Raptors, you know, they carved he uh, he destroyed uh, uh, Dallas a. a, a month ago and so you know maybe there is a g league guy out there like that you know who is you know probably not going to be that good because that's yeah. that's that's a bit unreasonable but you know just a guy who who has some potential you know maybe that's that's the way you go instead of joakim noah who is who is not going to be on the team next year no matter what happens yeah so i think it's just a matter of let's take a look and and see what's out there noah was good for memphis last year so i don't think it's a uh like a terrible idea in right. that sense uh and and I'm going to be very fascinated to see what they do with their lineups as they move forward and, and, and how they react to it. Again, it's just the first game, and, and I think you're going to see more changes, and, and we'll see how Carlisle goes about it, if it's a matchup-based thing or if he finds finds one that he likes and wants to stay with. But it's not just finding the rotation that he likes and wants to stay with. It's finding the rest of the guy, how it affects the rest of the, the roster, because something like this changes roles. But... Tim, I'm, this is the reason why I really wanted to be on the podcast with you today. You wrote about <laughs> something that's very near and dear to my heart. Okay. I love food, folks. Besides being the little jerk that I am, I enjoy eating. And that's a, a big deal. And you wrote a piece that I actually have to ha- have experience, but it's a piece about the restaurant that the Mavs go to constantly. Teams, when they're on the road, always hit up. You know, you talked about it. The place is called Nick and Sam's. It's a steakhouse. Touch on that a little bit, and then I want to I want to share some tidbits here. Yeah, see, when when you said the reason you came on the pod, I assumed it was going to be for the hotel.com slander, but uh, but I guess we can talk food as well if if, if you insist. Yeah, so like like yeah, so Nick and Sam's has been this uh, Maverick staple over the past two decades. Dirk Nowitzki started going there early in his career and really just turned it into the spot. It's uh it's real close. You could basically walk there from the American Airlines Center. You know, it'd be like a 10-minute walk. So it's very close. It's it's right next door. You know, it's it's convenient. And what the Mavericks have really done is they they've developed this relationship with uh with with the head chef and and now kind of a partner of the, of this, you know, of this uh high-end steakhouse. Uh his name's Samir and uh he is uh he has become, you know, friends with with a lot of the Mavericks, and he'll keep the kitchen open past 11 p.m. for them if 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 there's a game that runs late and not everybody can make it over in time. JJ Barea talked about when he tore his Achilles that Nick and Sam's, you know, catered food would just show up at his door. So, you know, it, it, it's it's obviously you know terrible that that Dwight Powell had the injury he did, but you know the 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 smallest silver lining of all time is that he's about to get some uh, some free <laughs> Nick and Sam's that you know showing up at his at his apartment or wherever he lives. And, uh, and, and yeah, it just, I, I kind of wrote about, you know, not so much even the steakhouse, but just the experience. And, and I think that is a good way to describe it. Like, you know, I, I don't know if it's the best steak in the city. Uh, most people that I talk to will say it's not, but the experience of going to Nick and Sam's where you might see a celebrity and everything they do is just so extravagant. You know, they've got this like massive cotton candy, um, you know, thing they bring out and, and you know, they have, they've, uh, they have sparklers. If, if you're selling a, 
if you're celebrating a birthday, they bring out your birthday cake with sparklers on top of it. So it is it is absolutely an experience. It's it's a place that the celebrities have uh have uh have embraced uh, the Mavericks especially, and uh and, and yeah, it was it was a cool thing to write about. And I, I've known Samir for uh, probably you know I think we talked for another story sometime last year, and so it was cool to to come full circle and and write about you know this spot. Yeah, I mean it's you know as I'm gonna go into kind of some of my my road life when I was with the NBA teams. Like, look, being in LA, it's not hard finding a, a restaurant that's open late after games for us and, and things like that. Nobody kind of has to hold it open. There's there's enough options out here in LA. Same thing for the guys in New York, probably the same in Miami. But like, there are times where I'm on the road in some of these cities and we're staying overnight and, and you know, you finish these games and you're starving. And it's it's hard. It's a struggle sometimes in some of these cities finding a restaurant that you can go eat to and and things like that. That's why I really love this story because it was it was cool that he's kind of keeping it open and, and and staying open late so that the guys can get a meal and get 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 a good meal in them, you know, before they head home. Maybe not the most healthiest. I'm sure the training staff's like, yo, dude, guys cut cut a little back on that. But the Warriors actually say it's real healthy. You know, they they have a lot of like seafood. So, so I think that the the sushi and the 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 prawns and all this stuff is is why the Warriors started catering it out of every game. That that's in the story. Sorry, I just wanted to no, add it's that great note in there. Great, no, it's perfect. You know, and 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 you know, teams do have restaurants that cater after games. There's always a spread somewhere and things like that. So it's cool to kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, and it's nice to hear from you know your touch on on like yo, this is where the Mavs go, and this is that, and more importantly, and this is a big thing here. Tim, and I need you to pay attention to this. I'm locked in. Okay. The next time I'm in Dallas, I'm expecting you to take me there. And when I say expecting you to take me there, I mean you're paying for the meal. But I'm expecting a Nick and Sam's trip whenever I go to Dallas. I don't have money. I I do this job for free. I just really like writing about basketball. There is not a bigger, bigger lie than that folks (laughs) like let's just be honest now like that's just a bold face lie you see what i gotta deal with when i'm podcasting with tim i gotta deal with lies non-stop tim when i come out there i want my nick and sam's meal i want to meet samir i want i want i want to get that whole experience it won't be my birthday but we'll tell him it is so i can see the sparklers as well uh and that's all on you bud hey you can meet samir i'll I'll introduce y'all you can meet the meat the steak um, unless unless you're feeling more seafood that night, we'll I'm make doing it both, dude. I'm going to surf and turf, bud. I oh, gotta taste Lord. it all. I gotta. I'm gonna come in there hungry, dude. I'm gonna. I gotta taste it all. I want. I want a little bit of a a tasting menu, man. Writing this story was a mistake. This this is this is not good. It's too late so. now. You can't unpublish it. I've seen it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit. Up, I'm gonna hit up the mayor and ban you from the city limits. So man, I'll find a way. Please. No, no, no. I'm sneaking in. Tim, is there anything else you want to touch on? What else we got? I don't. I don't think so. Um, you can read that story, of course, on theathletic.com. If if you haven't read it and you're not convinced yet, there is a Tony Romo, Jason Witten, Dirk Nowitzki, Johnny Menzel anecdote in there that is one of the best one. One of my favorite anecdotes that I've I've uh, I've, I've written. You know, probably this season. So it's it's worth reading for that. But yeah, that's all I have. You good? I'm all good, man. Go read this stuff, and uh, I'm going to start fasting for my Nick and Sam's meal. <laughs> well, uh, it, it might be a little bit, so uh, don't 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 start too early here. <laughs> um, but hey, Mo, th- thanks for being on the podcast. 
We'll have an episode for y'all, possibly this weekend, uh, definitely next week. Talk to y'all soon. Y'all come back now, you hear? (laughs) 